Well, we've been in a, in a series called Anchored in God. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? He's a sure and steadfast hope through the ages into eternity. Our theme for these last couple of weeks has, has been death is dead. Amen? Amen? Death died thousands of years ago when Jesus Christ bore our sin and shame, our condemnation. Not only that, rose from the dead, glorified in heaven, sending the Holy Spirit who now resides within us, the overcomer, the victorious one, the Spirit of the living God resides within us so that we could not live to sin but live to righteousness. Amen? How many of you have, have you ever tried to be a good, good, good little boy and girl? You failed, didn't you? We're not, we're not interested in being good, good, good little boys and girls. We're interested in having a transformation of heart where Jesus Christ takes over our heart, actually causes us to will and to do of his good pleasure. We can't do good pleasure, the things of God, based on our own attempts, our own willpower, our own striving, or our performance. Everything that we receive based on salvation is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and working in our lives. So as a church body, we need to be comfortable when the Holy Spirit begins to move, when we feel his presence. Amen. Today, when you walked in, I hope you considered this place the body shop. This is the body shop where the body of Christ gets together. We're broken. We need mending. We need to be rescued. We need to be delivered. We need to be healed. We bring in our dented, broken lives, and God fixes us and repairs us and restores us. Amen? By the power of God. As we read the word of God, the truth of God changes us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we're so grateful for this wonderful life in Jesus Christ that he has given us. Nothing in and of ourselves. We cannot take credit for anything. It's all because of what Christ has done. All our good deeds and all our good works. Do you want the praise? The answer is no. Do you want the praise? No. All praise and adoration goes to our King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're looking at the question, did God create us unable to keep his law? And we understand that God created Adam and Eve with the ability to love God intimately and to trust and obey God perfectly. But he gave them a will to decide. If you think of the worst day in your life, you might have many where you look back on your life and there was pain, there was sorrow, there was brokenness, there was broken relationships, it might have been financial a disaster. The worst day in Adam and Eve's life is when they stood outside the garden, separated from God. While in the garden, while in fellowship with God, they had this intimacy. God, somehow, we don't know if it was a theophany, we don't know if it was Jesus Christ in bodily form coming down and walking amidst the garden. It says that he was heard. It says there was a sound. We understand that God walked in the garden 
with Adam and Eve. Sweet, sweet fellowship. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me, I am his own. Amen? So they had this sweet, sweet relationship. They did not, friends, they did not know sin. They did not know brokenness. They did not know the pang of shame and guilt and condemnation. All they knew was this beautiful intimacy with God. Perfection. Adam was given this governmental role where he would govern and take dominion over the earth, over creation, over the animals. He was given this wisdom and insight into how each animal and each plant was created. Maybe he, he had a, a firsthand view of the intricacies in God's mind on how he created each animal and plant. And way beyond our pay grade, Adam was in perfect ability of using his 100% of his mind, 100% of his understanding. Adam was asked, and Eve was asked, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was the tree of life that was planted in the middle of the garden that they could participate in. But this one tree, Satan came along and distracted them, told them that God is not all that, that God can't be trusted. God doesn't have your best interest. There's better things out for you. God wants to hold you back. Doesn't Satan and the enemy of our souls, doesn't he say that to you today? Amen. God is not a good God. God is not a glorious God. God is not a great God. God is not a gracious God. But God is all that. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. And immediately, for the first time ever, they felt a separation of intimacy with God, a separation of fellowship with God, a separation of relationship of, of God. For the first time in their life, they ran from God. God showed his love with an illustration of what would come, that he had to sacrifice an animal to cover up their shame, to cover up their condemnation, speaking right from the book of Genesis towards the cross, that there would be a lamb that would come, that would sacrifice himself, that would cover our shame, cover our guilt, cover our brokenness. Amen? That day when he was outside the garden, when Adam and Eve were outside the garden, it was the worst day of their life. By a single act of rebellion against God, Adam and Eve had declared their independence. They had done more than merely eat a piece of forbidden fruit. At a deeper level, they had defied the clear-cut command of their master. They had listened to the seductive voice of the tempter and succumbed to their own pride. They had overly challenged the right of the Almighty God to guide them, to take control of them, to love them, to be a part of their life, to be a part of their fellowship, to be a part of their relationship. Romans 5.12 says, Just as though one man, through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Adam blew it. We'll have a few words with him when we get to heaven, won't we? But you know what? The Bible does not say that God punishes the human race for one man's sin, for Adam's sin. 
but that the nature of sin, my claim to the right to myself, entered into the human race. And we see the effects of what selfishness, self-centeredness, self-realization and self-actualization is doing to the world. The world is going insane without the presence and the truth of God. The nature of sin is not immorality and wrongdoing. The nature of self-realization, which leads us to say, I am my own God. This nature is funny because it may exhibit itself in uh, moral, uh, proper morality. There are very religious people that don't know God that live a really, really religious life and a good life. But in their heart, they are saying, I am my own God. Then we go to the, the other extreme. People caught in degradation and brokenness and sin and addiction and bondage and slavery to the flesh, to the devil. When our Lord faced either of these, these people, he paid no attention to the moral degradation and shame of the one, and he paid no attention to the religious or moral attainment of the other. Amen? He knew that all sinned and come short of the glory of God. When he went through Samaria, he came to the well of this woman that was broken, bound up, and sinful. Five husbands and the one that she was living with was not her husband. She came at noon while her friends came at dawn to retrieve water so as not to go in the heat of the sun. She was an outcast. She was broken. She was abandoned. She was neglected. But guess who did not neglect her? Guess who did not abandon her? Amen? The creator of the universe decided to show up at 12 o'clock to meet her in her reprobate, deprived life. The the conversation about sin is is a tough one, isn't it? Christian leader a long time ago said, it is untactful, uncouth, and unchristian to call someone a sinner. <laughs> okay? He's wrong. It's the best thing that you can do to someone so they have the reality of truth in their hearts and in their lives. See, God doesn't want to save me from my, my wrongdoing. He doesn't want to save me from my sins because what I do is I list sins. Lord, you can take like the top five, but just leave me like the bottom seven. You know what I'm saying? And if you take the top five, then I'll feel pretty good about myself. He doesn't come to make us good people. He doesn't come to make bad people good. He comes to make dead people alive. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. Amen? Not a clue in our hearts and minds of what God had intended for us. I am English and Norwegian. Any, any Vikings up in this place? <laughs> All right, let's talk afterwards. Any Irish up in this place? We got an Irish back there. All right, we got Irish. Okay, 
How many American up in this place? Okay, awesome. God doesn't want to forgive you or set you free from being Irish today. Isn't that great? He doesn't want to set you free from being Norwegian or English, Spanish, Russian. He doesn't want, you to, he doesn't want to set you free from that hereditary, heredity. He wants to set you free from the heredity of sin that has come upon your life through Adam's sin. See, mostly we deal with our wrongdoing and our, and our, and our failures and our weaknesses. It won't mean a hill of beans unless we confess that we are encased in this heredity of sin. It is our very nature. You can't take the English out of me. You can't take the Norwegian out of me. But you know what? Thank God you can take the sin out of me. Amen? And that's what Jesus Christ has come and done for us. We can't blame our our activities and our behavior on our heredity of our natural inclination and our natural ethnicity. We blame all of that on the heredity of our sin. Our sin has caused us all these problems. What Christ wants to do is he wants to come in and take you back to that day when Adam sinned, you sinned. From that point on, sin entered the world like a virus and has taken over every part of our life. And what Christ has come to do, he wants to set you free from the heredity of sin in your life. This sin nature that keeps you bound to fear and anxiety and stress, poverty and and lack of deliverance and, and addicted to stuff. This is the body shop, right? We've come to allow the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts and in our lives. Until you repent of the heredity of sin that you can't change, you'll never, ever be saved. You are a sinner, and your your sin nature has to be confessed to God. And here's the great thing. After he saves you and forgives you, that's one thing. After that, he empowers you, and he sets you free, and he sends you on a course of adventurous abandonment to the righteousness of God, to the will of God, to the way of God. And you're like, Yahoo! And then you're like, what happened? I used to care about this stuff. I used to be bound in this sin. I used to have a desire for this stuff. Now I'm going in the other direction. You know why? God has saved you to the uttermost. Taken that sinful nature, ripped it right out of you. Put the very nature of his son right into your heart. Paul talks about this being uh, the, the revelation of his son being revealed in us. Amen. Conformed to the image of Christ. If you are in Christ today, you have a new nature. Now let's get on with it. Amen. You've been stripped of the heredity of your sin. Why do we go back to the old school? Why do we go back to our old nature? Let's walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. Let's start walking. Condemnation comes when I realize that Jesus Christ came to to deliver me from this heredity of sin. And yet I refuse to let him do so. From that moment, I begin to get the seal of damnation. This is the condemnation and the critical moment that light has come into the world. And men and women love darkness rather than light. It's not good enough to be around church. 
I grew up around church. My mother spewed me forth on the first pew. Let me tell you, I was at every service, every practice. I was a pastor's kid. I knew all about church. I knew all about religion. But I had this heredity of sin in my heart that threw me to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And I said, God, you need to strip me of this sin nature. Transform me. Come into me and set me free. Put me on a path of righteousness, a path of purity, a path of being just, a path of love for God and love for others. And that's what he did. He changed me. I'm not what I used to be because the heredity of sin has been cleansed from me. Amen? And I'm a new creation in God. But we have to live as overcomers, don't we? We can't overcome our sin. We have to invite on a daily basis the one who has overcome, the one who is the victor, to in our lives to cleanse us on a daily basis, to empty us on a daily basis of that old sin nature. See, the problem is there's still remnants, amen? There's still residue of that old nature in us. Uh, and usually what the Lord does is, because we get blindsided, we have a blind spots in our, in our lives, don't we? We think we're doing all right, and then all of a sudden God pricks some aspect of our life, and then we're like, ugliness comes out. We're like, God, what in the world was that all about? Just want to tell you that you're not all that, okay? And then God takes over and begins to work on you. He bore our sin in his body that we might not be slaves to sin, but enslaved to righteousness. Amen? Wow. The thought that God empowers us to live right for him, to live righteously before him. We don't normally choose that, but he empowers us through his Holy Spirit because he's stripped out that old nature. And he's determined to put in this new nature. Romans chapter 8 speaks about this new nature. Let's turn there in our Bibles or your devices, your iPads, your iPods, whatever, whatever device you have, turn to it. And if your device is the Bible... Take it and turn to Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, that's the Holy Spirit, Christ's work on the cross, his resources, his blessings, his spiritual victory, wrought in you and imputed to you, given to you, credited on your account and in your life, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Yeah! For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned, condemned sin in the flesh, In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their things on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is what? Is death. 
But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, I like those two words, and I also like but, and I also like therefore in the Bible. You, however, can everybody say that together with me? It's pretty good. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Yes! I like that verse right there. And that's why I'm going to read it again, okay? If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The New Testament teaching about regeneration is that when a person is hit by his own sense of need, his own sense of the sinful nature, he responds to Jesus Christ And only Jesus Christ can touch your sin and strip it out of you. God will put the Holy Spirit into your spirit. His personal spirit will be energized by the spirit of the Son of God until Christ is formed in you. The moral miracle of redemption is that God can put a new nature into me through which I can live a totally new life. Wow. The moral miracle of redemption is that God can put a new nature into me through which I can live a totally new life. When I finally reach the, the edge of my need and know my own limitations, then Jesus says, blessed are you. But I must get to that point. I must get to the point where I'm sick and tired of my sin. When I realize what sin, my sin nature is all about, what it's done to me, what it's done to my family, how it affects this world. And we get grossed out and disgusted at sin. If you want to get disgusted about sin and what sin is, then look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? The pure, holy Lamb of God suffered and died a torturous, embarrassing Naked death on that cross, the creator of the universe became the crucified Christ for you and for me. But I must get to that point where I say, God, I'm done with my moral, my proper morality. I'm done with my own religiosity. I'm done with my own struggling. Come to terms with God. And say, I need you. I need you to strip out this heredity of sin. Put in the heredity of the Holy Spirit. That I might live this life of righteousness and of love in a wonderful and special way. Just as the nature of sin entered into the human heart. Through one man, the Holy Spirit entered into the human race through another man. Amen. And that man was Jesus Christ, the God-man. See, for a pastor, it's 
big responsibility. Because I don't know if all of you in this joint today know Christ personally, have accepted him as Lord, and is saved. That's a decision that each of you have to make. When God looks at you, does he see sin or does he see his son? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? This is the question of the ages and the question that we find today. Are you saved? Have you given up your sin, your condemnation, and your shame turned over and let Christ rip out that heredity of sin, that sin nature, put into you this new nature in which now you realize that every move you make, you make because of him and because of who he is, because of his righteousness. Amen? Amen. Now, how many of you have kids? I have kids. Saki and Amaris. And uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says you reap what you sow, okay? And um, when, you, when you have kids at a young age, all of a sudden, like this wonderful, beautiful, you know, one-year-old, and then they become two, and then terrible twos hit, and then you're like, oh, my God, help us, right? And they begin to, like, saying mine and no and making faces and this evil comes out of them, you know? And uh, you were once there. That's what you did when you were, you were little. It's an indication that there's something in us that drives us that we cannot control, but that is controlling us, and that is the sin nature. What happens when God comes in, he turns that around to where all of a sudden, When you said no, you say yes. When you used to say mine, you say I'm ready to give it away. When you used to say I gotta, I gotta save my life, now you got, now you're saying I gotta lose my life. When you used to say I gotta acquire wealth and I gotta acquire a provision and I gotta do everything myself to get everything that I want, now you're like God, take it all and take everything, because I am yours and you are mine. I want you to leave this place with an understanding if you are in Christ or are you in Adam? Are you in still in your sin? Because if Jesus came back today, you got to know that and you got to understand that. It's not your goodness or it's not your, your kindness that will get you into heaven. It's your claim of lordship, of the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. Where you say, God, I repent of my sin. I turn from my wickedness. I turn from my righteousness. And I look to you, the author and finisher of my faith. And I put my whole trust in you. I do not want to be my own God. I claim you now as my God and as my king, as my master. Amen? Amen. And when you do that, freedom. Because you are back In the garden of God's love. Amen? It's interesting how Jesus had a garden experience, didn't he? He brought uh, Peter, James, and John, close, close friends that loved Jesus. 
And then Jesus went off to pray, and then he came back. They were asleep. Jesus went off to pray, came back. They were asleep. Jesus went off to pray, came back. They were asleep. Great friends. Amen. In the time of need. (laughs) Jesus went to pray. The Bible tells us that he sweated great drops of blood. He always understood what he had to do. I don't think he really comprehended the full impact of your sin and my sin. Not just your wrongdoings and your, your failures, but your very sin nature was placed on Christ that day. He bore your sin nature so that he could put into you his nature. Amen? Are you forgiven today? Do you know God? Do you love God? Are you excited about living adventurously in this wonderful life of righteousness? Amen? Where God tells you to go, you're going to go. What God tells you to say, you're going to say. How God tells you to treat people, you're going to treat people. And when God reveals some ugliness in you, you're not going to try and defend yourself and uh, shame and blame. You're going to say, I agree with you 100% about that, God. And I want you to change me and I want you to transform me. That's what this beautiful life of living under the power of the Holy Spirit. We are new creations. Do you understand that today? The old is past and the new has come. Revelation chapter 21. Who's got that? I had too much butter on my toast today. Uh, anybody got Revelation 21? Oh, the screen. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, we got these two big TVs here. Awesome. All right, here we go. We're going to read the verse 7, okay? Thank you guys in the back. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Amen? Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God. And he will be my son and my daughter. What a God we serve. Amen. Do you feel his presence today? Do you feel like you want to give him something? Give him something from your sinful nature. 
trade in the heredity of your sin and your sinful nature and your struggling and your striving and the pain and sorrow of broken relation. Give it all to him. He took that on the cross 2,000 years ago. And now he wants to give him your give you himself. It's funny how we're talking about global warming and climate change. Because the Bible speaks about in Romans chapter 8 that the earth is groaning. The birth pangs are getting a little bit closer. The very earth in the cosmos is saying, redeem us, restore us, set us free. Amen? Sin, when sin hit the world, it hit the entire cosmos. But still we're created in the image of God. God wants to restore that image in you today. Without taint, without shame, without guilt, without stain. So that you can go into a lost and dying world and be image bearers of the very God of the universe, the God of our redemption. Are you excited about living today? Are you excited about life? Get your mind off of death. Get your mind off of your body. Get your mind off of the stresses and the anxieties of the world. And put your mind back on Jesus Christ. Here's a cool thing. His teaching that he teaches us through the word of God and the Holy Spirit is meant to be applied to the life which he puts within us. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says that his spirit communes with our spirit and he tells us that we are his children. This week, let's talk to God and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Amen. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy and hope. And he wants to give you a new life. He's been making all things new since time began. And he's made my heart new. He's made your heart new. He wants to make all things brand spanking new. And each day we're we're met with the glory of his presence, with grace and mercy in time of need. We come boldly into access into his very presence because of the confidence of God. So, what we're going to do here today is we're going to take the remnant and residue of our sin nature, the things that you're struggling with, the things that are tying you down, the things that are are pushing you towards the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And we're going to offer that to Christ and say, God, I want you to be my God. I'm tired of being the God of my life. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be God. Take over. Amen? Take over. And God will come upon your life and heart in such a new way that from this point on, you will not recognize your life from the past. It'll be so foreign. The Bible says where sin has come in, God's grace has much more abounded. Amen? Sin came in like a little, little, little puddle. Grace came in like a tsunami set you free and bring you peace bring you joy and bring you love let's connect with God amen every time I come into the presence of God or the body of Christ I expect God to do something with me do you 
God is doing something great here today. He wants to save some for the first time. You've been in church for a long time, but maybe you haven't been saved. He wants to strip that sinful nature from you and give, his, give you his own nature. What do we say? Come as you are. We're going to close our, our uh, body shop today off with this one song, Come As You Are. Amen? God knows you. He sees you. Let's worship God and give him everything that we are today. Come as you are.